Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. So thanks for joining us again. Yes, I'm pretty excited for today. Yeah, we're doing uh, some of our attachment series today, Yes, the first one. So I think this is going to be great. Plus, I can identify with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're going to do your your attachment style first, right? Yes, and then we're going to put you in the hot seat next. I don't even know what my attachment is. You've told me before. Dismissive no. avoidance. Dismissive avoidance. So on that on that note, right, let's go into what are the different styles. So there's four. And sometimes people argue this, but there's four. There's secure. There's anxious, which we're going to talk about today. There's avoidant or fearful. And then there's dismissive. And you are anxious. Well, yes, I've gotten better. <laughs> okay. No, you have. <laughs> no, you absolutely I'm, have. So if there was a Venn diagram, I used to be just on like the anxious circle. Like that was my place, right? And then on the other side, it was like secure. Now, when you look at the Venn diagram, that gray area in the middle, I've progressed into becoming securely attached. And it's pretty exciting. So for the layman, right, what is this Venn diagram? The Venn diagram is two circles, okay, where you want to compare, contrast two different things to one another, where each of them encompasses its own side. And then when you bridge them together, right, the circles overlap and there's that small concave piece in the middle. And that's where you can find the similarities or whatever it is that you're trying to compare. Or if you want to be able to see which parts of one you have and which parts of the other that you have. So it's a really good visual tool, especially if you have trauma. Visualizations are huge. Yeah, because everyone's completely different. We're all human beings, right? And we come with different backgrounds and different experiences. And we don't all fall into everything exactly like it's like it's supposed to or written or whatever exactly and you know we'll talk about this as we move through the series but sometimes you can encompass a little bit from different attachment styles depending on where it came from so some people will say to me well can i be an anxious avoidant i was like no you can't do that but you could potentially be a fearful avoidant in a dismissive avoidant with having some of both characteristics and then as you start to heal you can bring in the secure parts of it depending on which you know style that you are so we'll talk about that well that's important because you don't you're not locked into one particular style as you heal and as you start going through the process of healing from trauma then you can kind of adapt and and, and change your style depending on you know exactly. where you fall in the in exactly so let's go into um where do we get those specific styles from all right so Usually, you're going to see this in childhood. So attunement and attachment are so huge the first two years of life. Attunement is your caregiver's ability to feel what you feel, to assess your needs, to know what you need in that moment, whether it's a hug or words of affirmation or you're hungry, right? And then the attachment comes from the attunement level that you get from your caregiver, right? So if you have a securely attached caregiver that's constantly making sure your needs are met, you're probably going to have a really good sense of attachment growing up. But if you don't, and your caregiver doesn't have the ability to assess your own needs, then you may become very anxious and constantly seeking that. So that's where you can find that. You can also find it sometimes, depending on the relationships that you're in, they can change and move a little bit as life changes, but we typically have one that's stronger than the other, and it comes from what you saw as a child and how you attach to your caregiver. 
and your personality has a as a big part to play in this as well, right? I believe so. A lot of people will argue it. But personality is huge. We have predispositions to like certain things, to dislike certain things. And those characteristics of those predispositions do play into how we attach. They're just cultivated differently in each person. And how, you know, and how you respond to certain traumas or or certain experiences, because these attachment styles aren't related. How should I say this? They're not specifically uh, for people with trauma. These are attachment styles with, you know, that can... Uh, describe people that have not had any trauma, mm-hmm. uh, which is I, I think that's kind of a misnomer because I think everyone in everybody life, has some, some form of or some trauma. level exactly, exactly. Of trauma. or so, adversity exactly. So so again, these attachment styles have nothing to do with like if you've had a traumatic childhood or if you haven't had a traumatic childhood. These attachment styles still describe how you formulate relationships exactly and that's when i coach people and we talk and we start looking at like why am i in all these terrible relationships we go back to attachment let's figure out what you saw let's figure out where this is coming from so that's why i thought it would be awesome when we were talking about this to do a series on attachment styles because it plays into everything else and i think um it would be be of great value to our listeners to understand like where your attachment style came because we're we're dealing with yeah. anxious attachment right our first podcast of the series right and we're we're dealing with this one specifically we're not going to go into the other ones we'll do those in a different podcast but because we're dealing with anxious attachment i think it'd be very um like i said valuable for our listeners to understand where your anxious attachment came from right so i actually did have a caregiver that had a level of attunement right? And attachment. So I grew up with a little bit of that. You know, the singing to me and reading of books here and there when my mom was not on drugs. All right. So I learned to attach to those aspects of that type of relationship with her. And the anxiety from it or the anxiousness from it came from it being so inconsistent that I became anxious because I didn't know what to expect. Whereas with some other attachments, you just shut down. Not with anxious attachment. You seek it. You then internalize that something must be wrong with me. What did I do wrong? What do I have to do to get that feeling again, to get that person to notice me? And so it started with my mother, right? That's where it was. And a lot of it also came from my father too. I was very anxiously attached to him because his attunement to my needs all depended on whether his behavior was explosive, all depended on how his mental health was that day. So it was really difficult for me to attach to my mother and father on a healthy level because the relationship and the environment was so chaotic and inconsistent that it just was anxious attachment. Yeah, so that's where your anxiety comes from. So explain attunement because that's, you know, you've used that phrase a couple times. Uh, explain to our listeners what attunement um, means or how, how do you describe that? So attunement, like I was talking about in the beginning, is your caregiver's ability to sense and understand your needs. So like if you're hungry, you're not sitting there just screaming, crying. Your caregiver's like, oh, they're probably hungry. If you're having a tough day and you haven't expressed that, your caregiver is very attuned to you, is connected with you, can say, hey, tell me what's going on. What's going on for you right now? Are you okay? It's just their ability to understand that you have needs and they know what those needs are or they're seeking to understand those needs. Having that attunement is so important in the first two years of life. And that's where our attachment comes from. 
Yeah, I think that's a great description of that because it's important to understand that, you know, unless you're dealing with like a narcissistic parent, there are different levels of how a parent reacts to, you know, their child and and their needs. Uh, So it's, it's important to understand that point of view and how that relates to how your attachment style is developed. Exactly. And I will say you're least or less likely to see anxious attachment in a child of a narcissist. And we'll talk about that when we go into the other ones. So let's go into um, how does these anxious attachment, what do they look like and how do you specifically see the signs of them? Okay, so they manifest differently in different domains. So we can start with the house domain or your relationship. So the first thing is, is that there is no self-esteem or self-identity. Like you constantly see yourself as an extension of the people around you that you're trying to attach to. And it's because you never had that formulation of attunement. Like your caregiver didn't know what you needed and then didn't show you how to assess that within yourself. So you never saw yourself as being an individual. Okay. So you always just see yourself in the eyes of another person. So someone's upset at you. I must be bad. It's just this anxious ability to want to just attach to somebody else so that you can feel like you're something. Right. And the other things is, is that you'll always put someone else's needs above your own, right? You're, you're, you're going to do something for somebody else before you're going to do something for yourself. And that's because you're anxious about maintaining that connection. So the more that I do, the more valuable I am. And some of it can sound like codependency, which you'll, you'll find, and we've did a podcast on that. And with anxious attachment comes this extremely strong fear of rejection, which if you listen to our most recent podcast on RSD, you'll learn a little bit about that. So it's all interconnected. So when you see those signs and you see those symptoms, you really need to look at what is my attachment style? Like, where is this coming from? Yeah. And uh, self-validation is another one, right? Because uh, that's something that we, we've we kind of, well, I don't want to say struggled with, but before you started this healing process, that uh, that caused a lot of our arguments, right? Because you always look to me for your validation and I always said, you know, you need to be able to validate yourself. You don't look to me to give you validation whether you did something wrong or because I saw that within you a lot when we first got together. And, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, I could see that that was unhealthy for you. And again, we've talked about like trauma gifts and, uh, you know, trauma attachments. Right. And that's where in a different relationship, you can find yourself with a, a partner that is utilizing these trauma responses to their benefit. Exactly. Fortunately, you know, um, you know, my my frustration with you was the opposite. I yeah, wanted Yeah, will you, you just to- be independent? Like, yeah. <laughs> will you just pick your own, like, literally, it was to the point where I was like, honey, well, how does this look? Well, what do you think I should eat? Like, do you think this is a good idea? Well, what do you think I should say? What do you think this paper should be on? I literally had no self, and you would be looking at me like, can you just validate yourself? Like, do you, wear whatever you want. Write whatever you want. Don't write the paper. Who cares? Just make a decision. Make your own decisions. And I would be looking at you like, you're an asshole. I'm asking you to make this decision for me. And it was because I didn't, it took, oh my God, I can't even say, it just took forever. It took forever. Now I self-validate. And every once in a while, sometimes it, it, it comes up, but I'm like, whoa, what is this? And I'll know right away. And so it was funny. You were the complete opposite. You weren't controlling. You weren't like, ooh, this person will do whatever it is I want them to. It was like, ooh, this person needs to start doing their own shit so I can do my stuff. It was like a blessing because I could have ended up like with somebody who would have taken advantage of that and I would have lost myself even deeper. So thank you for that. So, and and I bring this up because we're gonna, in the, after the 
our, our short message here we, that we're going into, we're going to talk about like as a partner, like in a relationship, how you can help your partner when you see these types of attachment styles, right? Yes, absolutely. And there's a couple things too, is like excessive worry and overanalyzing are huge with this type of attachment. But when I say overanalyzing, let me specify that you're not analyzing shit because your logic is shot. Overanalyzing, what I want to say is ruminating over and over and over again and trying to find things that aren't there. That's not analyzation. That is just finding a problem. And that's someone with anxious attachment. We will look for problems that don't exist. And if they don't exist, you bet your ass we will create them. You know, and especially when it comes with relationships, jealousy and frustration are huge insecurities. And that was a big one of mine, the insecurities. It was like, hello, we've been together how long? What are you insecure about? Like, you look great. You're amazing. Whatever. But I had to feel that about myself. And so, you know, that's another big thing. Now, let's real quick touch upon what this attachment style looks like in the workplace. Top performer will be the best out of the crowd. Never late on their paperwork. Like this was me. Like I was a top performer. At the same time, I was constantly stressed that I was going to get fired and I couldn't even deal with my supervisor wanting to talk to me about the smallest things. You remember, I would be texting you. You'd be like, honey, the worst thing they can do is fight. What are they going to do, kill you? I remember you saying, what are they going to do, murder you? And it felt like that. So with this anxious attachment, we attach to the things that are in our lives, our job, our credibility, our relationships, you know, our neighbors. It's just, it's awful. Sometimes I was like, man, can I be one of the other ones? Like, why do I got to be this one? But it presents like that in different environments. Yeah, it just that all makes sense because it's like you're attached to your just like you you seek self-validation from your partner or not self-validation, but validation from your partner. You're seeking validation from your job or from your boss. Exactly. So, so you go ab above and beyond um, again. And, and there's nothing wrong with going above and beyond, but do it for yourself. Do it do for it. yourself exactly. and validate the fact that like if I get called in right now. What are they going to do? I'm their top performer. Bite me. My paperwork's late. All right. I got to that point. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do about it? I have the best looking caseload right now on the team. Paperwork's a little bit behind. But guess what? No crisis is in any of my families. I would just walk out like I was a boss towards the end. But in the beginning, it wasn't like that. Yeah. And it was tough. It was it was tough to transition. And we'll talk a little bit about that transition. Yep. How, how, do you, how to get from an anxious attachment to you know, a more secure, secure attachment. So just before we, we break, just to, so we can be concrete, give us those specific signs of what it looks like to be anxious attached. Lack of self-esteem, seeking external validation from your partners, never putting yourself first, always putting the other first and first, extremely sensitive to any form of rejection. You feel like the relationship is over, excessive and constant worry, over ruminating about things, misreading rational signs for things that they are not, jealousy and frustration and constantly needing someone to make you feel better in any type of relationship that you're in. So if any of those sound like you, you might be anxiously attached. And we're going to pause for a short message. And then when we get back, we'll talk about like as a partner, how do we how do we help our partner that you might notice is anxiously attached and how yourself do you, if you are, if you have this attachment style, how do you identify and help yourself get through it? We'll be right back. We always hear how much the podcast has positively impacted all of you. So now here's an opportunity to help us continue making content. And we've made it simple by partnering with Patreon. 
you can find the link in the episode description. For your subscription, we've added additional bonus incentives, which include a newsletter, access to the In It Together Patreon group, and special access to upcoming private episodes with Jay. For our top subscribers, you'll even get monthly access to Jay and I via Zoom. We're grateful for your support, and don't forget to keep sharing the podcast with everyone you know. Together, we can help grow the In It Together family. Now back to the podcast. So we've been talking about our anxious attachments, and this is our first of our attachment series uh, podcast that we're doing. So we'd like to start talking about, like, how do we heal from this? First, we need to recognize, of course, that we have this type of attachment style and what level we fall under, and then how do we heal? How do we start that healing process? Okay, so why don't we start with the individual perspective, and then we can end with partner support. So like you said, the first step is, like, you need to sit there and be like, holy crap, I have anxious attachment. And then you're going to be flooded with a bunch of emotions around why and this and that. Just write it down. Just sit with it, right? So that's the first thing is really just understanding it and recognizing it. So I think one of the biggest things is when we come with the recognition and the acknowledgement, the hardest part is actually just accepting this deep need for security. And that's hard. It's hard to sit there and be like, my goodness, I have this deep need within me to have somebody else make me feel better. And then you're going to feel worse for a little bit because it feels awful to say, man, I grew up like this. These are the things that I went through. And because of all these things and because of all that, I have continued to throw myself at people as if I was a rag doll because I could not see my own value. And you have to sit there with that, cry it out, feel it sit with it, lean into it, just wholeheartedly accept it. And I'm not saying that you have to accept the injustice of all the things that happened to you, but you must accept the reality that it is what it is. And until you can do that, that's where you're going to get stuck. And also, the, the third thing you're going to want to do is start understanding what your fears are. When you're anxiously attached and there's an issue, what was the underlying fear behind your response? Because when you can start understanding that your fears are, let's say, abandonment, rejection, then you can start saying, is there any reason why someone would reject me? I don't know. Maybe I'm annoying right now, something. Okay. But no one's going to reject you as a person unless you're an asshole. (laughs) But they're rejecting, and if they do, just aspects about you because we talked about toxicity within us, right? And that's something else that we have to kind of look at. Yeah, no, to your point there, right? When people reject something, they're rejecting the trait, right? And not the person. And you, you know, as as much as it feels like sometimes, and as I've seen this with you, right? Is a lot of the times, even with our conversation with our arguments, right? And when I say this there's certain times I'm like, I've I've had enough of this. And it's not me rejecting you. I'm not having enough of you. I'm having enough of the conversation that we're having because right. it's going nowhere. We did a podcast on this, but whenever you've said I'm done, I picture you leaving with suitcases. Like that's it, the relationship's done and everything, and you're like, I'm done, I'm done. You just walk away. I'm used to people being like, I'm done with you. After they've taken everything from me that I've given to them, I'm used to them just leaving. So that's where it would kick in for me. But you've been here for a good 17 years, so I know you're not going anywhere now. So I know when you say you're done, it still feels awful, but I can be like, eh. Well, I haven't. We can talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, and 
when you brought that to my attention as a trigger for you, you know, I no longer use that verbiage because I understand no, now you just that, walk that, away. That, that that is a trigger for you, you know. But again, it was it was not that I'm done with you. I'm just done with this conversation at the moment because it's not being productive. Exactly. Um, and, and the same thing. There are certain traits about people that maybe, you know, again, they might not be rejecting you, but they're rejecting the trait that you're displaying at that time. Because it doesn't feel good to them, right? So if I'm anxiously attached to you and I'm constantly seeking validation from you, that is taking from you energy that you could be putting into yourself and validating yourself because you're having to pour into my empty cup. And so you're not rejecting me. You love me. You're just rejecting the action of hey, I need to pour into this empty cup. I've got nothing to pour into. So I'm done trying to pour into this cup. You know what I mean? So it's the rejection of that toxic behavior because the reality is, is that all of the attachment styles are toxic except for secured because they have all their little toxic traits within it. And at the same time, you have your own attachment style, right? And so I'm triggering you. So Sometimes we have to reject aspects of our partner that aren't healthy for us. But when you're anxiously attached and that's your attachment, you feel like they are rejecting you personally. And that's because you don't have a sense of self. Like that's the first thing that I talked about. You feel that you are an extension of that person. So when they are rejecting it, you're part of the rejection. It's a paradigm shift in your head. Yeah, I think and and here is a good opportunity to start to talk about like when you are in a relationship, right? How the other person can support you. First of all, I guess we can let's talk about like what what can you expect to see in a relationship when one person is anxiously attached? Okay, so before I go there, I just wanted to finish up on some of the things that you needed to do. The last thing is is it learning to express yourself authentically to your partner. That's how you can work through the anxious attachment. I feel like this right now. I know there's nothing logical to lead to this, but this is how I feel. Your anxious attachment will reduce by 50% and your partner will be like, oh, okay, well, let's kind of talk about that. So that was the last point that I wanted to, to make on what we could be doing to make our anxious attachment better. Now to go to your question about what are some, what was it? What are some things that you can expect? Yeah, what can you expect to see in a relationship where one person is anxiously attached? Well, some of the things that I was talking about, you know, the insecurities, fights and arguments around, did, I saw you looking at that girl or like, or like, you know, you come home and you talk about your work wife at work. I was like, yeah, yeah, she does your laundry. Too. Like stupid and upset. Like it's not work wife, it's just a stupid little relationship. Like these tiny little things you find yourself like fixating on it afterwards. Like, yeah, well, what is she wearing to work? Like, does she like go to his desk for snack time? Like what's going on? I'm just saying like, these are the things that can go through someone's head. The insecurities around all of that. And then there's the, you know, well, well, what, do you, well what time are you going to be home? Well, I'm just going out with, I'm going to be doing, yeah, but but like, what time are you going to be here? Like, I just need to know that you're going to like come back. And it's this fear of like, they're not going to come back because you're so attached to them that when they're not around, you feel so uncomfortable. You feel so outside of your skin, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, I think the key point here is that is what you just ended with, right? That you feel so attached that you you link your self-worth to that person, right? Because jealousy, we can talk about jealousy and like, you know, jealous traits. And I think everyone has a little bit of jealousy in them, you know, because that, that comes from insecurity in your relationship, right? So again, if it's a brand new relationship, you're going to be a lot more insecure in the relationship than if it's like a very long running relationship. And if there's been some infidelity issues or things like that, or, or things that cause concern, but let's not 
I guess, confused, like jealousy with with what we're talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really great distinction that you made because it's definitely not like I'm just an insecure, jealous bitch over here. It's because like I'm anxiously attached to you. You're away from me and I'm over here like I need to get close to you. It's one of those things I can like that clinginess. And that's something that you would always reject from me. Like I would get super clingy without realizing it initially. And you would, I'd, I'd notice you'd pull away from me and I was like, oh, he's rejecting my hugs. He's rejecting my kisses. He's reject, And it would feel like he doesn't, you, you don't want me anymore. Like you don't want anything to do with me. And it was like, no, it's because you're a stage five fucking clinger right now and you're not leaving me alone. And we noticed that as I started to heal, we would only really see the clinginess during that time, ladies. And so it's the trigger between the hormones and all of that stuff. But really, that's what it is. It's just feeling like I need to be as close to you as possibly can. Like if, if I could get inside your skin, I remember saying that to you. Like I just oh, want to, you know what I mean? That'd be good. But this is how I know I've started to heal. Hey, honey, I'm going to, you know, go out or go do something. Yeah, bye. Have fun. I'm not like, when are you coming home? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay. It's okay knowing that you're going to be out there or whatever like that. And I feel happy and I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're going out and having a good time and you're doing things. And I like being alone now because I'm secure. So, and this goes for both male and females. And you see this a lot and you hear this a lot, right? Where it's associated more with females, but males can be just as clingy and just as needy and insecure. So both genders can deal with this uh, situation of anxious attachment that can lead to like insecurity and it, and it's a cycle right it becomes this this uh self-fulfilling prophecy right because the more clingy you are the more that the other person kind of i don't doesn't reject you but they they pull away from you which seems like it's a rejection to you and then it, it, that's if your partner is not anxiously attached but there are some cases where you have two anxious attached people in a relationship and it is a crazy dynamic it's typically the because you can see you can see people pair up with their same attachments and that's what causes major issues so it's actually a lot better for me to be anxiously attached and you to be dismissive avoiding which is the complete opposite than if you and i were both the same it would be awful wouldn't be able to, it's, it's so much harder to work through it's not impossible but i'm thankful you're not anxiously attached because man could you imagine that no, you being all needy I, and shit. I'd be like, get out of here. I'm the needy one. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because it's like I don't even I didn't even think of that. Right. I didn't think of I, I'm, I'm looking at it through the prism of our relationship. Right. And our the our dynamic. And but you're right. You can easily be, you know, anxious, both anxiously attached. And that I, I, I could only imagine is a, is a nightmare. But nightmare. That would be a nightmare. Like I like it would be funny because we would be jealous of the other person taking the other person's time up. We'd be anxiously attached to the other person trying to do something for the other person while trying to understand ourselves. It would be like I don't even want to think about it. Like I'm done. I'm done talking about that. (laughs) That would be so crazy. But I think that's those are the things like we were talking about. This is how we. Yeah. So as a partner, just to get back on track here, as a partner, what can like I know what I've done to be a lot more supportive in this situation but like in your in in that scenario what were the things that helped me yeah no but in the scenario where you have anxious let's go through that right like if it's an anxious anxious and anxious right if both parties have anxious um attachment styles how do they how do they support each other through that process in a situation like that it's unlikely that both partners at the same time are going to be like, whoa, we're both anxiously attached. We need help. It's going to be one person at a time. That person's going to say, I think I have anxious attachment and all these things are kind of happening. And 
I don't know. You know, they're going to kind of go through their own process and their own journey. They're most likely, I would say, I would recommend coaching or therapy or something to really help work through that attachment style. At some point, what's going to be beneficial is that they're going to be able to see their eyes through their own lenses and not through their partner's lenses, which means they're actually going to start seeing their partner for who they are. And they'll be able to see and recognize those traits in their partner. And then it will be up to them to say, hey, you got some anxious attachment too. And then it would be up to the partner to open their eyes. Not often do you see both partners at the same time going through the awakening phase. And I tell you there's four phases of healing trauma, which we'll, you know, I'll talk about at another point, because it would be unbearably difficult. You just wouldn't be able to survive. There's always going to be someone. And, and if when, when two couples, when they're, when they're growing in a relationship, they have to grow parallel to one another, which means that someone's going to have to take the lead for a little bit while a person down here is struggling. And then the other person's going to climb up a little bit. And it's this parallel climb and the shift, shift, shift going up. You can't be climbing and falling at the same time. So you'll see in relationships that that's the best thing. So if you recognize first, get yourself some help. Get yourself some coaching. Distance yourself from your partner. Start validating yourself and not seeking it from your partner. That will then open your partner's eyes to of course, they're going to start feeling rejected, but you're going to be able to support them through the process because you're going through it too. Yeah, that's the uh, best advice I think you can that you can give anyone with any type of attachment style, right? Recognize where your attachment style is um, and then, you know, make sure that you're self-validating yourself and seeking the help that you need for your traumas, right? So you can you can be a whole person and, and bring that to that relationship because that's that's the only way you grow together. Exactly. So... You know, with that being said, and I think we're kind of moving into, like we talked about the things that we can do as individuals, but, and you talked about some of the things you could do as a partner, but I want to talk about the, you know, one or two, three things that you did that really helped. And the first thing for me was patience. Now, I won't say that you really had a lot of patience, but you gave me time. Yeah, and that's, that's included. never been my strong suit, patience. No, you have zero patience, but you gave me years. You gave me time. You may have blown up throughout all those years, but you still stood by me. I think my my biggest uh, my biggest lack of patience was just not the understanding, and I think that's what you can bring as a partner is understanding. You know, take the time to educate yourself on what what's going, what's really going on. You know, and that that took me a long time to understand where you were coming from, where what these trauma triggers were, or you know where all these attachments issues came from. But once I understood that, I think I, I could be a lot more patient and understanding to, to I what think you, you were, were more em empathetic with and, and you could really sympathize with my with my plight, you know, like what I was going through. That's what was missing in the past. What was missing in the past was your ability to like just empathize with me and be like, man, that's painful. Because then when you could do that, you weren't going to yell, you weren't going to lose your patience, you weren't going to because it was like, I'm, I'm just hurting her further. Like, this is frustrating and annoying as shit. But at least I know where it's coming from. So I think holding space and self educating and is what you did was a big one. And the other one was is consistency and sticking to your word. Like if you told me you were going to do something, you did it. Like I'm done with this conversation. And I'm walking away. You didn't you're just done. Bye. Or if you said, this is the last time I'm going to tell you this and I don't want to talk about it again today or whatever, you would follow through with that. And so what you taught me was consistency and boundaries with, with natural consequences, even though some of them were like cruel as hell at times. And I'm like, what the hell? But you didn't know any better. You were just trying to provide a level of consistency for me. So consistency 
patience and psychoeducation about what your partner is going through really were the things that I think helped you understand to then help me. And it was the consistency of those things going together that helped me start seeing that this is not my reality. This is from this part. He is not that. You know what I mean? And I was able to kind of safely detach myself from the anxious attachment I had from you because I knew that I was going to be able to stand on my own two feet, you know, and I think that that was really important. Yeah, I think that's the 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 key, you know, as a partner understanding and you have to understand yourself, you know, uh, you have to understand what your attachment style is um, so you can better help your partner. And again, it's what we've always talked about, right? It's our journey is to become whole people. Uh, because you can't have a strong relationship unless you're working on that. And and that's that's the most important part, I think. Absolutely. So hopefully, you know, you guys were listening to this and like, okay, I have anxious. Well, not hopefully that you have anxious attachment, but hopefully if you do, you heard this, you were like, you felt validated that, wow, I can too work myself through this and I need to start talking with my partner. And that's where it starts, really. Yeah, that's it's it. It's not a death sentence. It's not a life sentence. This no, isn't who you are, are forever. Exactly. These are things that you can change about yourself. And this is what we're this is what it's all about, right? Understanding the things that we need to change about ourselves to be better. It's a journey. It takes time. It takes willingness. Um, but you can get there. You can be whoever you want to be if you put in the time and effort into it. Absolutely. So right we'll end it there. And then look forward to our continued attachment series where we'll talk about the other attachment styles and how to get through those. So guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at ask.courtney, on Instagram at askcourtney underscore, and on YouTube at askcourtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. We'd love to hear your stories, guys, so make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together, so stay safe. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. Till next time.